finally got some movement in Bitcoin. You know what? It wasn't a minute too soon because it was about, in fact, it was 134 days, I think. 130, 136 days of trading in this range. And we finally got the breakout from Bitcoin. And I guess now the big question is, is this breakout a fake out or is this the beginning of a more substantial rally? That's what we're going to talk about today. And we actually have the data to back it up to show you whether this is actually a, 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 a real rally and if it is a real rally how high it's going to go or whether this is just another fake out and it's going to be dead tomorrow and i'll give you guys a hint it could be a fake out because the majority of what we saw was actually a short squeeze and you know when short squeeze is finished well then that's the end of the pump so on the show we're going to find out whether this is a fake out or whether this can be the beginning of a new rally also i need your help and we'll talk about that in a second Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Let me do that again. Can you, hear me, can you hear me better now? Okay, amazing. Wakey, wakey, guys. Rise and shine. We finally, finally, finally got a bit of a pump on Bitcoin. And it's actually, it's actually quite a significant pump because if you look at what this pump actually means, it shows that we have broken this trend, this downward trend that we've been on ever since June. And in fact, you could probably say been on ever since way before June. And I guess the big question is, is this pump going to hold? That's what we're going to be looking at today. So that's what the, the show is all about. Uh, and I, I really, really, really have a whole lot of scoop for you guys. A real, real, real bunch of scoop. So if you're new to the channel, quickly subscribe to the channel. If you've been here for a while, like our content. Also give us positive comments in the, in, in the comments because that is what tells the algorithm that we're actually a good channel and that helps us get unshadow banned. And you know that we are shadow banned Okay, uh, let's try and get the volume up for you guys. One, two, one, two, one, two. How's that? Yeah, yeah, that sounds better for me. I think we need to fire James. I think we need to fire James. Okay, let me let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think. Um, yeah, so let, uh, we're gonna. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. If you're not new to the channel, we'll like this content. Let's get it out there. Let's get us unshadow banned. But most importantly, um, let's get on with the show. Somebody said microphone, fix it. Is sounds fine. People are saying sounds fine. Chaos says it sounds fine. I think we should fire James. I really think so. How many times have I told him to fix this? How many times have I told him to check? Guy doesn't respond. James, if you're listening, you know the drill, bro. Hundred dollar fine. It's a hundred dollar fine. We just give him, keep giving him hundred dollar fines. Uh, oh, by the way, I need your help, guys. I need I need your help. I need your help. So here's the situation. I'm currently number thirty one in the trading competition with a fifty six point four percent return. Do I sell my positions now? Or do I hold my positions and carry on running? I'm tempted to sell all my positions, bank my 56.4% and wait for another aggressive move. The two positions that I've got open, I've got this GMX long, 
um, which is up 134%. And I got this near long, which is up 23%. I would have been the winner of the competition, but I put too much money in my account again. Damn it. Let me know in the comments. Maybe I should, by the end of the show, I'll do what the comments say. I'm either going to sell everything and, 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 or I'm going to hold on and, and double down and make sure that I actually win the trading competition. That's what's going to happen by the end of the show. All right, let's get into, let's get into the alpha. Let's get into the alpha. Hold on. Let me just get some charts here for you guys. Let's get into the alpha. All right, so let's talk about what happened. If we want to know whether this is a pump that's going to last or whether this is another fake out, we need to understand what caused it. And we need to understand whether there is longevity behind the force that caused the pump. Because if there's no longevity behind the force that caused the pump, it's like a rocket. It's like if, you, if, you, if a rocket takes off and there's no more thrusters, then eventually the rocket's just going to drop, right? So that's what we need to determine. We need to determine whether there are thrusters left in this rocket. And in order to, to do that, we need to understand what the thrusters were. What was the cause of this market exploding? And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about now. So let's get into it. What happened? Let's start off with what happened. Well, what happened was the following. You had Bitcoin break through this huge downtrend that it's been on. And it closed above for the first time in a long time, as you can see. For the first time, we've had a, a convincing thing. And it actually looks now like it is about to print a, the first uh, higher high that we've seen in quite a long time. Cool. Why did that happen? Well, it happened because the Dixie broke through down through both the parabola and through the trend that it's been on for a while. And most interestingly, when I look at Bitcoin, what I see here is I see something very similar to 2018. What do I see similar to 2018? Well, let's look here. If you look at, 20, at, at where we are now, we had this huge drop. And let's take this day over here as the beginning of the huge drop. And then we had the sideways movement from Bitcoin for 135 days. 135 days, we traded in this range. Okay. Now, that very much reminds me of 2018. I was around in 2018. And I remember a time in 2018, which was very, 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 very similar to what we're experiencing now. And that time in 2018 was here around November and December. So in November and December in 2018, Bitcoin was trading at about $6,394. And then what happened is we went down. You can see we went all the way down here. So if we compare the two dips and we say, okay, let's look at from the day we started to go down, from the day of the big red candle. So let's take this big red candle over here. Let's see how long was it until Bitcoin actually started to move up. Well, you can see that the answer is 134 days. So very, very, very similar. We had Bitcoin ranging in 2018 and 2019 for 134 days. And we had Bitcoin ranging now for about 134 days. Let's look at what happened to Bitcoin after those 134 days in 2018. So if we take those 134 days and we say, okay, look, let's look at the, the big green candle. And let's look at what happened from the bottom, from just before the big green candle until the top. We had an increase in Bitcoin of 245%. Now, that wasn't the end of the bear market because after that, the market continued to go down. But we did have a bear market rally of, 100, of 250%. Now, in this market, in this market that we're currently dealing with, we haven't had a rally yet. We haven't had a significant pump. In fact, the biggest pump that we've had is if you take, let's take the close to the top, is 32%. That's not a pump. If you compare that to what happened in 2018, which was a similar market, it was a long bear market, we had a bear market rally of 250%. And we haven't had one of those pumps 
in this market. So this pump could actually have legs. Even if it's not the end of the bear market, it doesn't mean that you can't have a pump of 100% or 200%. And remember, even if we did have a pump of 100%, it wouldn't even take Bitcoin back to 60 or 70% of the all-time highs. So it's not impossible to think that that could happen. And if, it's, if we want to understand whether it's going to happen, we need to understand what caused the pump, what caused the thrusters. We know what caused the thrusters back in 2018. Now let's look at where we are today and decide what caused this pump. So what caused the pump? Dixie broke through the parabola and it broke through the trend line. And it's the first time that it's happened in a long time that we've had a significant real breakdown on the Dixie. And if the Dixie continues to go down and closes down today, that is more confirmation that this is happening. Why is the Dixie breaking down? Why is the dollar index breaking down below, below these critical levels? Well, it's because the pound is getting stronger. The pound is getting stronger because they've got someone else in charge now in the UK, and he's got different policies to list trust who basically fucked the whole thing up. Okay, then you've got the Japanese yen also breaking down below this trend line. And the reason why the Japanese yen is breaking down below the trend line is very simple. It's government intervention. The Bank of Japan is intervening. And what the Bank of J Japan is doing is it's putting more dollars into the market and it's taking yen out the market. Okay, so let's have a look at that. The, the Japanese uh, um, uh, minister, the, their, their package is, I think, over $40 billion. And they're increasing their bond buying. And they're saying that they're going to continue to take this decisive action against Forex. And what we do know is that they've got somewhere between $1.5 trillion and $3 trillion to defend their currency. So when you've got a strong pound and you've got a strong yen, both countries defending their currency against the dollar, what do you get? What do you get? Well, you get a weaker Dixie. When you get a weaker Dixie, what happens is the markets go up. And that's exactly what happened. So we got the weaker Dixie. And what that did was it caused the NASDAQ to break through its trend line. And when it comes to NASDAQ, it was, a, it was a little bit more interesting because we were very, very, very close to printing a higher high on the NASDAQ. So had we closed above 11,590, and this is on the futures, it's not on the NASDAQ itself, it's on the, it's on the December futures. Had we closed up above this 11,590, we would have printed the first higher high that we've had in a long time, which would have shown that we've really reversed the trend. And we nearly did. We nearly printed that high high. In fact, we got all the way up to 11,690. And then the problem is that we got earnings. And we got Google destroying the earnings yesterday. We're going to talk about the Google earnings in a sec because I did warn you guys that any company that is reliant on advertising revenue is going to get smashed when it comes to earnings because advertising is the first thing that gets cut out when you talk about earnings. So Google destroyed the higher high. But not all hope is lost. Not all hope is lost. Because what happened then is that the NASDAQ started to go up. And when the NASDAQ started to go up, Bitcoin started to go up. And when Bitcoin started to go up, altcoin started to go up. And you know what the result was? The result was a short squeeze. 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 Okay. And the squeeze was so bad that it was the highest single liquidation event on FTX in history. $600 million. And it seems like it was actually one or two traders that got liquidated. And, and, and the, the position size was $600 million. Just to give an idea of how big the squeeze was on, on FTX, it was 10 times the squeeze on the average of the other exchanges. So by but the, the whole squeeze was $36 million. The big squeeze, the big pump, was the big short squeeze was caused only on FTX. And it feels like it was one or two big institutional traders that were smashed out for $600 million. 
It was also a massive short squeeze on Ethereum. In fact, the short squeeze on Ethereum was so big that it was bigger than any short squeeze that we've seen since, I mean, I can't even remember the last time we saw a short squeeze. Look at the size of this green wick relative to all the other green wicks, which is all the short squeezes on Ethereum. So this was a serious, serious, serious short squeeze. In fact, over a billion dollars of shorts got liquidated. Now, usually when we hear of a billion dollars or more being, being liquidated, it's usually retail investors that are long and we get a, a big green candle. Now we're seeing it the other way around. Institutional players would seem to be long and then whack, they got sent out of kilt. Okay, so that's what caused it. The issue is that now the short squeeze is over. How do I know? Well, because I was watching the GMX long short interest. And what you can see is that the ratio between longs and shorts isn't very different. There's 28 or 30 million in longs and 40 million in shorts. That's not big enough to convince me that there's a short squeeze that's going to be underway. So this short squeeze is over. And now we're going to make a decision. The decision is a very simple decision. Either we are here just after the point of anger and we're getting a little bit of a rally to get us here and then send us into depression, or we're at the point of disbelief where everyone doesn't believe that this is the rally and then this is the rally that actually takes us into it. And again, I said to you, in order for us to understand what this rally is about or how this rally works, well, what we're going to decide is we're going to understand what the thrusters are in the rocket. What is causing this, 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 this short squeeze? What caused the market to move up? And I'll tell you what it is. Give you one guess what it is. I told you that it would happen a while back, but I'm going to tell you what it is again. Kyle, what happens in two weeks in the United States? Elections. Elections. So what's the cause for this pump? Elections. Elections. Joe Biden is not doing very well. Okay. And remember, this is not a political show and I don't have any political interests. But what I can tell you is that Joe Biden isn't doing very well. And that's not according to me. It's according to the polls. You can see that it's pretty much game over. The Republicans look like they're going to win the House and the Senate. And the Democrats look like they're going to lose it both. And the reason for that is because the economy is a mess. Because inflation is high. Because the markets are low. And because people cannot afford their payments and people are worried. And the problem is that Jerome Powell isn't going to help Joe Biden at all. In fact, if you look at what Jerome Powell is doing, there's a 98.5% chance that when him and the Fed meet on the 2nd of November, that they're going to have a 75 basis point rate hike. So Jerome Powell ain't going to help uh, um, uh, Biden in this election. What Biden needs is he needs an ally or a comrade or someone in the Democrat Party to really help him in the midterm elections. Into Janet Yellen. So who helps Powell? The other geriatric, Janet Yellen. And what does she do? Well, she starts talking about, in an interview on CNBC, what does she do? She starts talking about the possibility that the Treasury is thinking about supplying the market with more short-term bills to alleviate the shortage. So what they're actually saying is, have a look at this, that they are talking about a bond buyback program. They're talking about the treasury market being so broken, the bond market being so broken, that nobody wants to buy treasuries anymore. And as a result of that, there's no demand for treasuries. So what are they going to do? Well, She's saying, well, look, hold on. The Treasury is going to step in and they're going to start buying back these bonds. And, what, and the result of 
the treasury buying back these bonds is going to be more dollars in circulation. And therefore, it's almost like a stimulus. It's almost like a, a, a version of quantitative easing. But this time, it's not done by the Fed. It's done by the treasury. So what they're saying here is the long-term idea that the U.S. government should stand ready to buy back treasuries from investors to improve the market function is moving one step closer to reality. But not only is it moving one step closer to reality, it's moving one step closer to reality pretty soon. So I saw something here. It says, um, so when we warned last week that treasury buybacks might begin to enter the debt market conversation, we didn't expect them to jump so abruptly into the limelight, said one economist. September's liquidity strains may have sharpened the treasury's interest in buybacks, but this is just a knee-jerk response to market. But this is not just a knee-jerk response to market developments. And what they're talking about here is they're talking about these treasury buybacks actually starting as soon as May. So they're saying as soon as May next year, they may start these treasury buybacks, and they're going to. And these treasury buybacks are just a, are a form of quantitative easing. It's putting more money in into the market because finally the credit market is broken. And if you've been listening to anything that we've been saying in the last while, we said that what's going to happen is something is going to break. We don't know what's going to break, but something is going to break. And when that something breaks, the U.S. government's going to fix it. And the only thing that the U.S. government can do to fix it is print more money. And what it feels like now is that people are talking about the credit market breaking. What do we mean by the credit market breaking? Well, we mean that not many people, not many people, want to buy treasuries now. Nobody wants to put their money into treasuries where you can earn a 3 or 4 or 5% interest rate. And so the only person who's going to buy those treasuries may be, the, may be Janet Yellen and, and, and the treasury. Now, you've got to be smart and say, are they talking about this because they really want to do it? Or are they talking about this because they need something to make the market positive before the elections. And the answer to that lies in the rest of the interview that Janet Yellen did yesterday with MSNBC. One of the things she spoke about was inflation, whether we've heard the end of inflation. Do you believe it has peaked? So I'm not positive. I, I don't want to forecast month by month uh, inflation numbers. The most recent data suggests we still have inflation that's unacceptably high, but there are good indications earlier in the pipeline that inflation will come down. There's been a lot of pressure. in the So talking about inflation coming down, and then the question is what she thinks about a recession. And you know what? The truth is she's still not admitting that we're in a recession. Listen to this. Business leaders every day, from a Jamie Dimon to a Jeff Bezos to brace ourselves, and a recession is coming. Do you believe it is, or are we in one right now? When you have a three and a half percent unemployment rate and have had over 300,000 jobs a month for the last uh, three or four months or longer, um, that is not what most people think of as a recession. Um, but our credit card bills are going up. Our household debt is going up and life costs a lot, not to mention the price of our houses are going down. Well, um, interest rates are going up. And that's partly to address inflation. They have been very low for a very long time, and they're now rising to more moderate levels. So, yes, probably house prices will not 
continue to go up at the so the good news is she's talking about house prices and house prices not continuing to go up but the reality is that house prices are actually starting to finally go down so you've got uh, house prices fell 1.3 percent in august which is the biggest decline since 2009 there's also new data from the united states that the prices came the the that the house that housing market went down 3.3 percent in august so what we're seeing is that the housing market is actually starting to feel it uh the u.s home price growth slows for the fastest pace on record so we are seeing a slowdown in, in the economy. So that combined with the fact that they, may, that they are talking about a quantitative easing program or a bond buyback program or a short-term treasury buyback program means that the markets are seeing more liquidity and more liquidity in the markets make the market rallies. And that's exactly why the NASDAQ rallied yesterday, caused a short squeeze. Um, but as I said to you before, we didn't get that higher high on the NASDAQ. So now the question is, why didn't we get the higher high on the NASDAQ? And the reason why we didn't get the higher high on the NASDAQ is because we were there. We were right there. And I was convinced that we would close there. But then, Google. Alphabet, Google reported earnings. Okay, so Alphabet and Google report earnings. And as I said to you guys, any company that is reliant on advertising revenue for its for its revenue is going to suffer now because the first thing that people cut is they cut their advertising spend. And that's exactly what you saw. You saw Google came in with a B, with a miss on the top line and a huge miss on the bottom line, over 20, 22%, over 20% miss on their, on their earnings. Why? Because of ad revenue. And you can see that if you look at all their, where did they miss and where did they beat? Anything to do with ads, so search revenue, YouTube ads, etc., all missed. What beat? The stuff that's not ad-related, so like cloud services. Cloud services is not related to advertising, so they beat. But anything related to ads didn't beat, so that's the problem. So you can see that they started to beat, to miss because of advertising revenue. And specifically, they even spoke about crypto ad revenue, which is ironic because Google was the first company to ban crypto-related advertising. And now I think what they're saying is they really, really, really want it back um, because, because th their ad business is completely suffering. What we also saw yesterday was we saw Microsoft reporting. But remember, Microsoft is not reliant on ad revenue or not as reliant on ad revenue as Google is. And so they beat on their revenue estimate and they beat on their earnings per share estimate. And so what you can see, it's very, very, very typical of a recession. What, what happens typically in a recession? Typically in a recession, people stop advertising because it's almost like there's no point in doing so much advertising when you know the consumer doesn't have money and the consumer's not going to spend. Rather do your advertising and spend your advertising money when you know the consumer's going to spend. So don't just fire bullets when they're not going to hit anything. And that's the thinking behind it. All right, so where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us as follows. You've got the NASDAQ now. The futures are down... 104 points from yesterday, from last night's 12 o'clock lows. And the problem is that what we have later today is we have Meta reporting the earnings. And there's no way that Meta can bring us good earnings. So Meta is much, much, much more reliant on, on advertising revenue, on Instagram, on Facebook. And there is absolutely no way that Meta is going to report with good earnings. And the truth is they've even warned us about it. They've come out and they've said... Um, Hold on, let's just have a look here. So they've come out, Meta have come out and they're preparing us and they're saying to us, 
that the reason why they're not going to perform well is because Apple is undercutting others with their ad change policy and they're starting to blame. So that's not a good sign. And what we're looking for today is we're looking for an earnings per share of 189 and we're looking for revenue of 27.41. This happens just after the bell, okay? This, this, this happens just after the, the bell today. Um, I don't know what time zone you guys are in, but whatever time zone you guys are in, as soon as the markets close, Meta reports, you look for earnings per share of 1.89 and you look for revenue of 27.41 billion. Regardless of whether they hit or miss, Facebook and Meta are in an absolute mess. They're in an absolute, absolute mess. You've got Mark Zuckerberg, who owns a huge portion of the, the voting rights at Meta. And the problem with that is that, unlike any other company in the world, people can't vote him out. If they think he's doing a bad job, he has complete control of the voting shares at Meta. And to be honest, his investors are actually fed up. And one of his investors is uh, Brad Gerstner. He's on the All In podcast. He's one, of, he's one of the big investors in the world. He's one of the, the, the famous investors. And he wrote a letter to Mark Zuckerberg. And in the letter to Mark Zuckerberg, he wrote it very well. He said, look, you know, dear Mark, as you know, we are long-term shareholders. Despite public skepticism at times, warranted. We have been supporters of the company's strategy and continuously reinvest uh, to continuously reinvest in a product-led future and its mission to make the world more open and connected. Moreover, I'm a strong supporter of founder-led companies, especially when they have your successful track record um, of seeing the future. So it's with some hesitation but significant conviction that I'm writing this open letter, strongly encouraging Meta to streamline its focus and the path forward. Like many other companies in a zero-rate world, Meta has drifted into the land of, ec of excess. Too many people, too many ideas, too little urgency. This lack of focus and fitness is obscured when growth is, easily, is easy, but deadly when growth slows and technology changes. At the same time, Meta has ramped up spend. You lost the confidence of your investors. The conventional wisdom, press and investor, is that as a core business hits the wall, is that the core business hit a wall last fall. The core business hit, hit the wall last fall. As a result, the team hastily pivoted the company towards Metaverse, including a surprise renaming of the company to Meta. Worse, the skepticism seemed to be affirmed with nearly immediate and sizable miss in the financial results. So what he's saying is, look, you guys were desperate. You changed, you pivoted to the Metaverse. You, you, you called your company Meta, and then you missed your results, which is like affirmation that what you were doing was you were in, in, a, in this like um, desperation. Okay, the facts are startling. In the last 18 months, Meta stock is down 55% compared to an average 19% for, for its big tech players. Your PE ratio has fallen from 23 to 12, which means that people don't really like your company anymore and now trades at less than half the average PE of your peers. And notably, this decline in the share price mirrors the lost confidence in the company, not just the bad mood of the market. The silver lining is that unlike many companies, this popular narrative obscures the truth. Meta's core business is one of the largest and most profitable in the world with over 45 billion in operating profits alone. Moreover, Meta has led has industry leading capabilities in key future uh, developments like artificial intelligence and 3D, which will help drive new products and future growth. And Meta certainly has abundant financial resources to invest. But Meta needs to get its mojo back. Meta needs to rebuild confidence with the investors, employees, and the tech community. And basically what he's saying is what you guys have to do is you have to reduce your headcount by at least 20%, reduce your annual capex to five, um, 
by at least 5 billion from 25 from 30 billion to 25 billion and limit the investment in metaverses because reality labs which is the company that does the metaverse loses lost more than 5 billion last year now the, the question for us is whether meta is good for crypto or bad for crypto i know we all have our opinions on mark and to be honest i think we all agree that facebook is a really shit product instagram is not a bad product whatsapp is an amazing product but do we like what Mark is doing in the metaverse? And I've thought about this long and hard. And my answer is that we should be grateful that we have a company like Facebook investing so much money into this reality labs because what they're doing is they're investing five and 10 and $15 billion to make sure that to, to improve metaverse and to improve augmented reality and virtual reality and everything to do with the metaverse. And if Meta don't do it, it's going to be very, very, very hard to find another company that's going to invest 5 and 10 and $15 billion in the metaverse. And so as much as we don't like Mark, as much as we think that Facebook is a dog show, um, as much as we think that he's a bad guy, we do need them to keep uh, Im improving the, the metaverse. Anyway, the letter goes on and on and on, but I think you get the, the gist of it. The gist of it is cut your expenses, cut your spend, Stop putting money into this metaverse product. As much as these guys believe in the metaverse, they're saying, look, you're spending too much money in the metaverse. Instead, the company has announced investments of 10 to $15 billion a year into a metaverse project that largely includes AR, VR, immersive 3D, Horizon World, that may take 10 years to build result. An estimated $100 billion investment into an unknown future is a supersized and terrifying, even by Silicon Valley standards. Anyway, so that's pretty much the letter. Uh, let's wait and see what the results say today. Uh, as I say, I'm not expecting anything too good. You've got to watch out for that because that could knock the um, the uh, uh, earnings down. All right, let's go to another um, another social media company, and that's Twitter, because Musk has told his bankers that he's going to close a Twitter deal on Friday, and it feels it seems like CZ is still behind him with his 500 million dollar contribution. So he said that they're probably still behind him. And if that happens, one of the things that we should look out for is we should look at a do we, look, we should look for a Dogecoin pump. And the reason why I say we should look for a Dogecoin pump is because if you look at Dogecoin yesterday, Dogecoin was one of the tokens that really performed super well. So if you look at where it was yesterday, top to bottom, Dogecoin had about a 20% increase. And that, again, was on the news of the Twitter deal. Now, if Elon Musk buys Twitter, then I think you have to put some Dogecoin in your portfolio because all the court records, all the documents that we've seen up until now show us that he's actually pretty serious about integrating Dogecoin into Twitter. And so if you believe in Twitter and you believe in Dogecoin or you believe in Elon Musk, you probably should take a small bet on Dogecoin because Twitter may be the, the tool to get mass adoption for, for Dogecoin. And again, Elon Musk has done this and he has said this a lot in his uh, in, in the court documents that were presented, etc. All right. Um, are there anything else? Is there anything else that you want to speak about? Oh, I, I saw this was just an absolute joke. So I think the Twitter um, employees are in for the culture shock of their lives working for, for Elon. They're writing this mail. They're saying, we call on Twitter management and Elon Musk to seize these negligent layoff threats as workers, we deserve concrete commitments so we can continue to preserve the integrity of our platform. We demand of the current and future leadership respect. We demand leadership to respect the platform and the workers who maintain it by committing to preserving current headcount. <laughs> this is after he said that he was going to drop the headcount by 
Safety, we demand that leadership do not discriminate against workers on the basis of their race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, or political beliefs. We also demand safety for workers on visas who will be forced to leave the country if they are laid off. Elon says, no. Protection, we demand Elon must explicitly commit to preserve our benefits, those both listed in the merger agreement and uh, example remote work. We demand leadership to establish and ensure fair severance policies for all workers after thing. Elon Musk said, nope. Dignity, we demand transparent, prompt, thoughtful communication around our working conditions. We demand to be treated with dignity and not to be treated as mere pawns in the game. Now, I don't think that Twitter is going to, uh, that Elon Musk is going to deal very well with these demands from the Twitter employees who are so woke and, I don't know, in my, in my mind, so useless. I think the first guy that's going to be looking for a job, I think it's going to be Parag. Because I think that guy, that guy got to be the most useless CEO on, in the whole of Silicon Valley. The, the most useless CEO of, of the whole of Silicon Valley. Um, I did see this, which is probably worth looking at. So this is, comes from the Pantera newsletter. We're going to spend some time going through the Pantera newsletter in, a, uh, uh, in the next couple of days. But one thing to look at is to look at the different narratives and sectors and how, and how they've performed. So store of, store of value, exchanges, privacy coins, meme coins, NFT, metaverse. What you can see is if you look at the market cap today, you look at how far they've drawn down. So peak to trough drawdown and return since peak. So how far are they from peak? And it gives you an idea of where you should be putting your money or where there could be outsized returns on money. Um, specifically like things like oracles, which are, which are down 72%. DeFi is down 68%, probably represents a good opportunity. Layer 2 down 64%, probably represents a good opportunity. We'll spend some time on that in the next couple of days. Um, we'll spend some time on that in the next couple of days and, and, and make some decisions. All right, let's talk about my trading competition scenario. So right now, as it stands, I'm number 29 in the competition with 61.25% return. It's not too late for you guys if you want to play in the competition. It's not too late. What you need to do, go. We, we, we open the competition now until the end of November so people could win. Also, I'm going to be giving away and I'm going to be funding accounts to play with us. Now, question, what do I do with this portfolio? Do I close my two trades right now, bank 69% profits, or do I hold and go for gold? and try and go all in. What do you think I should do? Tell me in the comments, what do you think I should do? Hold on, let's see what, let's see what, what Raymond says I should do. Raymond, what do I do, bro? Man, collect those profits. What are you talking about? Close that fucking trade. Boys, do I, come on, tell me in the comments, boys and girls, bank the profit. Do I bank the profit or do I go all in? Come on, just tell me. Get out now. Close. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, but if I, but if there's another pump, I'm gonna miss it. Come on, guys. What do we say? Bank. Close. Bank. Close. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna leave this open for another hour so people can leave me stuff in the comments. Tell me in the comments whether I should close my trade uh, or whether I should ride it to the top and win the trading competition because I think that's what I'm going for this time. I'm number 29 now. I'm behind Sheldon but I'm ahead of Kyle. Kyle, what number are you? 50, okay. So I'm way ahead of Kyle. Tomorrow I'll be doing Kyle's uh, uh, charting show in the morning. All right, let me know. Look, I'm gonna, give some, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give a chance to the people that are not on the show right now. 
So let me know in the comments. Give me some good comments. Let me know if I should take my profits now or whether I should or whether I should um, take my profits or go all in and try and win the competition. Mr. Click saying, please find me. I'm happy to find you. I don't know what your account number is. How can I find you if I don't know what your account number is? Did you sign up on BitGet and Bybit? Okay, Sagar Sager, did you sign up on BitGet or Bybit with our referral link? Send me your number and then I can find you. I can't find, very hard for me to find you if I don't know who you are. It's very hard for me to find you. All right, guys, I will see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, have fun. Trade well, my friends. Banker, eh? Kyle says banker. Holy shit. Banker. Sheldon, what do you say? Do I bank it?